the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. As a constitutional law attorney, former senior legal advisor and personal counsel to President Donald J. Trump, Jenna Ellis believes in the rule of law and the importance of integrity in our elections. And she's ready to tackle the big cultural and legal issues facing America. This is The Jenna Ellis Show. Here is your host, Jenna Ellis. So let's get into now the vaccine mandates. Uh, This is probably the most frequent question that I've been asked since uh, Biden spoke last week and, of course, went against his uh, initial contemplation and, of course, against all of his campaign promises that the vaccine would simply be available to anyone who wanted to take it and would never be mandated. Um, Of course, we know that Democrats never keep their promises, and whenever it's convenient, then they're hypocritical. And as I always like to say, if Democrats didn't have double standards, they wouldn't have any standards at all. They are not principled. They don't care about the Constitution. They only use that term constitutional versus unconstitutional when it benefits them. So as soon as uh, they want to do something that is completely in the face of their specific limited powers in uh, the federal branch, they don't care. They find a way to manipulate the terms. They read into the Constitution. They make all sorts of arguments, or they just outright ignore it and say, sure, we can do that because we think it's best. That's the definition of a tyrant, is someone who is not confined by the rule of law and that the law is superior as a rule over the government's rule. I mean, that's why we have, you know, throughout the Middle Ages, there was this um, this whole debate over um, what was called lex rex, which is, um, you know, of course, the Latin term that the law is above the king. And, you know, we eventually got to uh, the Magna Carta and, you know, this expression of the fact that uh, human beings and individual citizens have rights and that the government, the king, the tyrant, whoever is in control of civil society can't simply at whim trample on the rights of individual citizens. And the Magna Carta, of course, was very influential uh, with our founding fathers to give them um, that understanding of how the law works in society. Um, You may not know that actually all five founding fathers um, who were on the Declaration Committee drafting the Declaration were all lawyers. Uh, They were um, they they were experienced and knowledgeable in law as a philosophy, even though not all of them uh, practice law, like, for example, Benjamin Franklin. Um, He had a doctor of jurisprudence, but didn't actually practice, unlike someone like John Adams, who's probably the most prominent founding father as a defense attorney, um, who was willing to take the cases that were not politically convenient or uh, politically advantageous. But he understood that when the state is prosecuting um, individuals, they deserve a defense. They deserve due process. And uh, his arguments uh, at the Constitutional Convention and um, and so forth were um, were really meant to uh, to establish and enshrine the rights that citizens have against their own government. 
Um, so, so when we look over the course of, of history, and this is why history is so important, because if we don't learn from our past and we don't learn from uh, the philosophy of why America, um, as our constitutional republic, was, was built and was shaped and designed in this system of government, then we're going to fail to recognize why the rule of law is so important and why not manipulating it is so important. So what the Biden administration is trying to do with these vaccine mandates um, are, are just a manipulation of the rule of law. And regardless of where you stand on the vaccine, um, you know, my position, of course, is that it is a personal decision. Um, it's something that absolutely has to do with your own health care decision making, uh, your decisions for yourself and your family. And that's not for the government to compel or to mandate and certainly not a private employer with threat of dismissal uh, of your job, anything like that. And so um, so I've never revealed my own vaccine status. It's none of anybody's business. Um, but what I will say is that um, the vaccine, of course, is available for anyone who wants to take it. And it also uh, can and should be refused by anyone who doesn't want to take it. It's your own personal risk assessment. If you are in a category that you think that the potential risks of taking the vaccine because long-term effects are unknown, that that is um, a better risk calculation for you, uh, then take it. And if you think that, okay, you know what, I'm not really in a high-risk category, I will probably um, you know, survive COVID. I won't have a lot of those complications and I don't want to risk taking, um, you know, unknown, um, potential health consequences or long-term effects, then don't take it. I mean, that is a decision between you and your doctor and it is not for the federal government to make one wide sweeping generalization that it is a best health practice for everyone. There's absolutely no science or data on this, by the way, that supports a vaccine mandate. And that's why when I represented, uh, pastor John MacArthur and grace community church against, um, a lot of these, you know, the COVID shutdown and, um, and, and all of the ridiculous petty tyranny going on in California. Um, it was interesting to me and my co-counsel that the state of California and Los Angeles County in particular did not want to put their health officials through depositions because they know that their claim of the science is not actually supported by the facts. So they did not want to get anywhere near depositions. They didn't want to have to prove that they had a substantial justification for implementing all of these crazy protocols. Um, so we ended up settling out that case. Um, the state of California and L.A. County ended up paying uh, collectively together $800,000 to the Thomas More Society uh, for attorney's fees, which was an excellent win for John MacArthur and to say that the church is essential and we need to keep our church open and congregating is a matter of faith practice, free exercise of religion. So when we're talking about vaccine mandates, um, of course, religious liberty comes into play at the outset. Religious liberty exemptions um, absolutely have to apply. And right now, uh, New York City is saying that they uh, are not allowing any religious exemptions, which is fundamentally against a constitutionally protected right enshrined in our First Amendment for free exercise of religion. And so uh, my, co my co-counsel at the Thomas More Society is actually challenging that. They filed suit uh, in New York City um, against, um, I believe it's against the, the new governor there, um, in New York to just say, you know, this is ridiculously unconstitutional because um, the 
the Bill of Rights and the way and context that it's designed in the Constitution, our rights do not come from the Bill of Rights. Rather, our founders said these are very specific enumerated rights that governments most often infringe upon. So we are going to textually set down in the text, here are certain rights that um, it's not a comprehensive list, but it's one, it's rights that are most often infringed by governments that they can't touch. Congress cannot make a law against that. And if Congress can't make a law infringing against free exercise of religion, absolutely the executive branch has no authority for a federal mandate. So this is unconstitutional for a variety of reasons. One, because it goes against our constitutionally protected rights uh, established in our Bill of Rights and enshrined there. But then also it goes against uh, the principle in the Constitution of limited specific powers given to the federal government. The federal government can't just do whatever it wants in an overbroad authority to say, well, we think this is in the, uh, the best interest of health and safety. It doesn't work like that. Uh, the Supreme Court has actually found as recently as, you know, 1995 and a few other cases that have uh, and they've specifically said that Congress doesn't have overbroad police power, this you know, broad, wide-sweeping power to just enforce any legislation that it might contemplate. And there's a very good reason for that, because we live in a system of federalism, which means that states' rights and states' powers um, is actually a better term for it. Uh, states' powers can uh, are, are much more um, broad in terms of the of the powers that are provided through the constitution and reserved to the states. So the states can disagree with each other. And that's why uh, the states sometimes have, you know, competition in a sense where citizens can say, you know what, I like the fact that, for example, Tennessee doesn't have a state income tax. So, you know, the Daily Wire, my good friends, uh, you know, Ben Shapiro, they made, they made the decision to move from California because of the way that Gavin Newsom is running it into the ground uh, to go to Tennessee and to say, we want to, um, take advantage of what that state has to offer. That's a competition, healthy competition, valid capitalism between the states. Um, you also have differences in um, in criminal law. Death penalty, uh, for example, is on the books in some states. It's not in others. So why isn't that you know a conflict of law and, and the Supreme Court needs to decide? Well, because that is given specifically to the states and the states can disagree. Um, this is the broad premise why the same-sex marriage decision was absolutely ridiculous from the Supreme Court because uh, the Supreme Court basically said, sorry, the states can't disagree with each other. And even though over 30 states had state constitutional amendments saying that they would only recognize a marital union between one man and one woman, the Supreme Court decided to say, hey, we just want to decide for everyone across the country. And that is an overreach of what the federal government is allowed to do. Uh, Congress can't legislate on domestic relations, period. That is a subject matter that's given to the states. So if you actually read the Constitution, and I would encourage you to, um, it's, you know, it's not that long, read through the specific limited powers that are given to the legislative branch in Article One, the executive branch in Article Two. And then, you know, the case and controversy uh, clause and all of that uh, that's given to the judicial branch for review of the two political branches in Article 3. Then you have, of course, you know, states and all of that in Article 4. You have the way that you amend the Constitution in Article 5 and, um, and so on. So when we look at the Constitution and we look at the design 
Congress, under Article One, Section 8, those are all the subject matters that Congress can rightfully legislate on. All of those things have to deal with the entire union as a whole. Um, so the basic rule of thumb is if the states can spend money on something, if the states can legislate on something, uh, Congress can't. So look and see how few things in Article One, Section 8 Congress actually has uh, the authority to legislate over. It's not very many. And it's not broad police power for health mandates. There is nothing whatsoever given to Congress to legislate it. So certainly uh, the executive branch um, enforcing a mandate that hasn't even gone through the legislature is so unconstitutional, and there is no power given to our federal government to enact these types of mandates. Um, the state level is is a little bit different contemplation, and uh, we'll talk about that, um, you know, another day. And I definitely want to dive uh, more into this. But from a broad-based perspective, to give you the overview of this. Um, the most reasoned, rational, constitutionally appropriate response to Biden's federal mandate is you don't have the power. There are specific, limited, enumerated powers that are given to the federal government. And then our Ninth and Tenth Amendments say that whatever powers are not specifically delegated to the federal government are reserved to the states or, or and this is important, to we, the people. So the states can't even do everything that they want. They still have specific limited powers as well by virtue of their state constitutions. So we, the people, possess all of our rights. We also, through our consent, give very specific limited powers to government on the state and federal level to operate exclusively to protect and preserve our rights, which one of those rights is liberty. Uh, that is the whole idea of informed consent, making the best decisions that we can for ourselves and our family, being able to freely exercise religion, to not be compelled to participate in, um, in an event or a vaccine that goes against our sincerely held religious beliefs. Uh, we have the right to travel without a vaccine passport, um, interstate interstate travel. We have all of these rights that the government has no power to infringe upon, foreclose, or to tell us in order to exercise this power, you have to give up liberty. In order to exercise this right, you have to get a vaccine. Um, so my hope is that my good friends at the Thomas More Society and others, Alliance Defending Freedom, I'm also an allied attorney there, um, that we are going to continue to file these types of lawsuits, push back, get permanent injunctions, um, and, and to just say absolutely not. So um, the Supreme Court case that's widely taken out of context, uh, Jacobson versus Massachusetts back in 1905, that is so completely off point. The Democrats don't ever take legal advice from Democrats. Um, they're wrong like 99% of the time. They're trying to use that case and manipulate it to say that the Supreme Court said vaccine mandates are constitutional. Totally not true. Uh, that case contemplated a state mandate where the only sanction for an individual pastor in that case, Jacobson, who was exercising his sincerely held religious belief, was a very nominal fine. It would be like you or me as a one-time thing paying like 100 bucks. Um, not that the state can compel a vaccine, and certainly uh, not at all the federal government. There has been no case ever in the history of the United States that has contemplated a federal mandate. So there is no case law on point. We just have the Constitution, which gives us all the direction we need.
Uh, Friends, so there is no way to spend this. Our country is in a state of emergency, and we have seen a total failure of government. The botched exit from Afghanistan, like we talked about earlier, makes us less safe than we've been in years. There's disastrous economic policies that have inflation soaring, and your freedoms and liberties are at risk with outrageous government overreach, the closing of businesses, and all of these mandates that violate our Constitution. So the bottom line is that we are in the midst of a failed presidency, and I really fear that things are going to get worse. so now is the time for Americans to, uh, to take steps and protect your finances and your retirement. So when times are turbulent, you do need an asset that protects you. And that's why I believe in investing in gold. And I do trust my friends at Legacy Precious Metals. Gold offers a hedge against inflation. It protects you from the volatile financial markets. And Legacy Precious Metals is a company that you can trust to give you good, patient counsel for your personal situation. So their team of experts has decades of experience helping Americans like you and me make the right decision for ourselves and our family. So call Legacy Precious Metals today at 866-528-1903. That's 866-528-1903. Or you can visit them online at LegacyPMInvestments.com and also download their free investor's guide. So now I am so excited to welcome my very dear friend, Nick Adams, who is a best-selling author, presidential appointee, uh, immigrant to the United States, which is very important to our conversation today, and founder of FLAG, which is the Foundation for Liberty and American Greatness. Nick, thanks so much for joining me. Jenna Ellis, it's always a pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. So first, for people who um, aren't aware of your background and your um, how you immigrated, I think that's going to be very relevant to our conversation about Australia and COVID. So give us a little bit of that background, because I always love hearing this story. Well, Jenna, look, I came to America the right way. And when you come to the United States of America the right way, it's a very difficult process. It's a very expensive process. It took me four and a half years. It cost me close to uh, $5,000, $5,000, $50,000. And um, it was an ordeal, Jenna. It was a really, really tough thing. And uh, if I had my time again, I'd do it all again, because I think that if you want to be part of the greatest place on the earth, you've got to cross your T's and dot your I's and do all the right stuff. And so, um, look, most Americans don't realise what goes in, Jenna, to immigrating to the United States the right way. All they see and all they hear is what's happening on the border and how easy it is for illegals to come to the US. But it's actually the reverse. So right now, in the United States of America, we have this incredibly inverted system where it's really, really hard for good people to come and it's really, really easy for bad people to come. And it's something that needs to be addressed. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I want to talk to you more about the southern border. But uh, but first, you know, when you talk about this being the greatest country in the world and uh, the importance of Western civilization, we're seeing the implosion and the breakdown of this in just the first nine months of uh, Biden's term. And, you know, as a member of the Trump campaign last year and um, you know, I know that you you actually were able to vote for President Trump uh, in 2020 being a citizen, which I'm sure was a fantastic experience. It's always a great thing uh, to be able to go and exercise your right to vote. And what we're seeing in the midst of these COVID-19 lockdowns and the mandates 
I think is it's just incredibly amazing in a terrible way that we're seeing this in America. But what we're also seeing throughout the world in countries that don't protect the fundamental God-given rights of individuals as well as America should, we're also seeing a lot of people rise up against their governments and say, no, this is not through our consent. This is a fundamental violation of basic human rights. And of course, the definition of human rights is a really interesting one that we should talk about at some point later. But I want to get your take on the protests in Australia, because uh, they're continuing, Australia in particular, is continuing to show the world what life is without First or Second Amendment protections. That's absolutely right. Uh, what's going on in Australia is a really cautionary tale, Jenna, for the United States of America and every American. Basically, since the last part of June, all of uh, several major cities in Australia have been locked down and the people have had enough. They've been shut down and there seems to be no end in sight. Uh, there were lots of reasons for that. The Australian people are a remarkably compliant people, Jenna. They're the same people that surrendered their firearms in 1996, voluntarily went to the local police station and handed in their, their firearms for a gun buyback scheme. But this shows that even the most compliant people eventually have enough. And the military had been called in in some parts of Australia to enforce uh, these very draconian lockdowns and shutdowns. And so lots of people now are, are pushing back. And that's why we're seeing the protests that are going on in Australia. I wish I could tell you, Jenna, that I'm surprised. But as somebody that was born there and lived there for the first 32 years of my life, uh, it's pretty typical uh, for what you can expect from uh, that country. It's one of the reasons why I'm here. And uh, we've just got to remember, though, that that Australia is much more normal than America in the sense of what they're experiencing right now. That That is kind of what the rest of the world is like. Uh, we are the exception here in the United States, but we could very easily join the rest of the world's ranks if we're not careful. Yeah, so when you talk about this being a cautionary tale and your experience living in Australia, contrast the government's system there and how you felt as a citizen and as someone who obviously, you know, wanted to uh, make your way in the world and exercise your God-given rights in Australia versus what you've appreciated about America. Jenna, you know, it's not so much a law thing or uh, it's a culture thing. Mm -hmm. And the, the thing is that in Australia, in European countries, in, in other comparable Western nations success tends to be resented, not admired or aspired to. If you colour outside of the lines, you get punished. If you want to blaze a trail or leave a legacy, you find that there are walls and doors and gatekeepers and kingmakers and bosses and the establishment have got this massive control over who ends up succeeding. So that's what's frustrating for a young, ambitious person in another country, and that's why for so long 
America has been the haven for people whose dreams were too big for their native countries. And they wanted to come to the United States and, and make it as big as possible because here, Jenna, comparatively, there are not the same amount of gatekeepers and kingmakers and those people don't have that much sway. And even when they do, typically the American people, because of the system that is in place with the United States, typically the people always find a way around or through those gatekeepers and kingmakers. So, uh, again, it's not necessarily something that on paper legally you know, there's nothing that I wasn't allowed to do in Australia legally or because of policies or anything like that. It's more of a cultural thing that, that stops you. They just don't like bold, entrepreneurial people that are prepared to upset the apple cart. And, and here, a maverick or somebody that's a self-starter and just gets onto something and... and takes it as far as they can. We love those kind of people. We reward those kind of people. I want to talk to you about uh, Genesis 950 really quickly. It is time for holiday cleaning. So before you replace your carpets due to pet stains and odors, you have to try Genesis 950. The reviews are amazing as this is one product that does work. If you are tired of pet cleaners that don't work, it is time to get Genesis 950. One gallon of industrial strength Genesis 950 makes up to seven gallons of cleaner. It is great for bathrooms, kitchens, floors, upholstery, and grease stains. Perfect holiday gift for pet owners especially. Genesis 950 also has great customer service, always willing to help with your particular problem. So order one gallon direct at Genesis 950. Dot com to receive a free spray bottle, free shipping, and a $10 coupon, but use the code Jenna. That's J-E-N-N-A. Go to Genesis950.com. So how, how do you think the culture is shifting? Because I, I find that really fascinating that it's not so much a question of law. It's more of a question of culture. And, you know, we all are very familiar with um, Andrew Breitbart's famous phrase that, you know, politics are downstream from culture. And in America, I think our culture is changing because we have a a system and, and a populace really that is so uneducated in terms of what the government is obligated to do, which is to preserve and protect our rights and champion the entrepreneurs and the dreamers and the, the mavericks. Uh, but we're seeing people like the Biden administration, uh, like Obama and his influence um, and all of the progressive leftists trying to essentially be the gatekeepers. And they're doing this through the COVID mandates. And they're trying to say, unless you comply and you're a certain, uh, you subscribe to a certain form of belief system, it's their new religion. You know, COVID and, and the science, quote unquote, is their new religion. Uh, th that's, in a way, I think, it, it, gatekeeping, and it's suppressing our economy. And there, do you find that there's a cultural shift in uh, American culture that is like Australia in, in maybe a dangerous way? Oh, there certainly is, without a doubt, Jenna. I mean, the reality is that I think we're getting close now to at least 30 or 40 percent of the population in the United States wanting America to look much more like Australia or Germany or England or any of those places. And um, there's definitely been a, a major shift, I think, in the way that people 
um, perceive what, what it means to be an American. I mean, for so long now, our children, for example, have been taught European values. And uh, they've been taught that individualism is not great and collectivism is better and e pluribus unum is, is racist and, and, you know, not that great and we should really be embracing multiculturalism and secularism is far more powerful and, and uh, rewarding than, than God and government is something that we should be looking to instead of faith. So... There are lots of changes afoot in the American cultural landscape, and uh, we are seeing, I think, more compliance, uh, particularly with this COVID stuff, as you very accurately point out. I I would have thought, uh, I mean, any population is made up of wildly diverse people, but I tell you what, there are a lot more by-the-book people here in the United States of America than I ever would have imagined as someone coming from another place. It's the kind of behaviour that I would expect from from other Western nations where people are afraid of their own shadow, Jenna. They're, they're afraid to look at somebody the wrong way. And uh, I wouldn't have expected it from Americans who historically and, and certainly internationally renowned, are renowned for being their own person and, and not caring. And, you know, they've kind of got a generella swagger, if you like. <laughs> well, I, uh, <laughs> I appreciate that. But, um, but, you know, I think it's true that there are so many more compliant people, like you said, Nick, um, than I thought in America. And we've become so complacent um, almost because we have a, a gluttonous form of freedom, you know, that has made us, I think, more lazy. We have taken advantage of the wonderful opportunities in America for so long. And for people like myself who were born here and, you know, we, we don't know any different. We haven't come from other countries that there isn't as much opportunity or, um, or whatever the differences of why so many people from all over the world want to come to America, we don't necessarily appreciate how much opportunity and freedom we have. And I think that's especially true in the religious liberty sphere, uh, where we have had such a rich culture of truly uh, diversity of religion, where uh, the government doesn't tell us what we have to believe or what we are forced to believe. And in that space, being able to sincerely practice our faith, we can pray in public. I mean, of course, there have, you know, there have been million, uh, tons of challenges, um, and I'm not diminishing you know, the cases and, and the individual circumstances, but by and large, um, you know, religious liberty, freedom of speech without censorship, um, the ability to choose our own uh, health care and um, you know, be able to make these decisions, unlike what we've seen in the U.K., you know, with some of these, um, unfortunately, these little infants, um, you know, we remember the, the Charlie Gard case from a couple of years ago because um, the U.K. signed on to the U.N. Convention for Rights of the Child, which basically said that the parents give up their parental rights to the state um, and the state, under a principle of scarcity, just has to uh, make the best decisions in their own, the state's best interest for the child. I mean, all of those things, Nick, I think are 
profoundly and significantly lost in an uneducated populace. And what do you think is uh, probably the most important lesson for Americans to learn about freedom and liberty before it's too late? Well, Jenna, I think without a doubt to realise that what we have here, like I was alluding to earlier, is not the norm. It's not. America is the exception. And it can very quickly and easily change. We've already seen it begin, I think, and we're seeing it change before our eyes. But it can completely turn if we're not careful. To give one example that I always know Americans get shocked about, but the only country in the world where homeschooling is legal is the United States of America. In every other country, if you want to homeschool, if you decide that you're going to homeschool your children, there'll be someone from the government that's going to come and knock on your door and arrest you and force your child to go to school. And there have been lots of cases, I think, where... There's a particular German case, I think, from the mid-2010s, where they actually... Uh, it was a family that wanted to homeschool and they had been arrested and whatever else, and uh, they sought asylum here in the United States. And the reason that they provided, Jenna, was that this was the only place where they were free to homeschool their children. Yeah, so, and, and that's absolutely true. And, you know, and I, I have to just jump in there because the Homeschool Legal Defense Association, uh, some of my, you know, good, good friends um, over there who... Uh, are international advocates, I mean, not just for homeschooling, which uh, their services really provided for school choice and homeschooling uh, to get that legalized in all 50 states. And that's kind of just a presumption now. Um, but, you know, back in the day, even, and I'm, I was homeschooled, I don't know if you know that, Nick, uh, K through 12, all the way through, loved it. And, you know, back when my parents decided to start homeschooling, it wasn't just a given, and it was kind of a novel concept. But now we have uh, homeschooling that is just that is almost a given in terms of the right of parents to direct the education of their children. But for the Homeschool Legal Defense Association and their international advocates, uh, Mike Donnelly, who's their senior counsel actually for uh, global uh, initiatives and um, and all of the global advocacy, that's you know more of his focus. And you know he and I have conversations all the time. He's a great mentor of mine in uh, constitutional law. And um, and by the way, we're both going to actually be speaking on the issue of homeschooling uh, coming up in in Miami uh, this weekend for Amp Fest. If you go to Amp Fest 2021, I'll give them a shout out here, um, you can uh, come to that conference, which is going to be at the Trump uh, Doral Miami uh, Hotel there. And I think that they're going to live stream it also. But anyway, we're going to be talking about school choice. And he always reminds me, Nick, the same thing that you just did, that, you know, even something as, as what we take for granted as homeschooling, um, and parental rights and school choice, that's not the same in other countries. And they have to fight uh, not just for homeschooling, but in so many instances that my friend Mike deals with, parents who have had their parental rights and custody foreclosed uh, just because they chose to homeschool. I mean, and that's that would just be um, unheard of here, um, hopefully. you know. But are we kind of seeing some of these things um, go that direction with how much uh, the Biden administration wants to censor political viewpoints and say, unless you subscribe to a specific norm, 
uh, then you are, as a parent, you know, a threat to your child's uh, health and safety. I mean, that's where I kind of see the danger of a lot of this going is that when you can command and compel a vaccine in the name of health and safety, then what else can't government do in the name of health and safety? Well, that's exactly right. Look, I think there's no doubt, Jenna, that every single Democrat in the United States of America looks at other countries and says, I wish that the United States was more like that country or those countries. And it applies for the response to COVID. I think every Democrat in this country is looking at Australia and secretly admiring it, wishing that they could do it here. It's the same with the homeschooling as well. I think that, you know, uh, Democrats had their way. They would get rid of homeschooling. And, it, you know, homeschooling is a really interesting thing, and I'm looking forward to, to seeing you at AmpFest. I'm also speaking there and uh, this weekend. But um, one of the really interesting things for me with homeschooling is people often say to me, you know, Nick, how can you be so optimistic, uh, uh, so sanguine about... America's prospects. It's so obvious that we're going down the toilet and whatever else. And I always kind of fall back on the historical perspective that the United States has always managed to find a way to recorrect a trajectory, to find solutions that through through freedom and very American solutions for novel problems. And homeschooling to me is a really fascinating one because it, it essentially uh, solves the problems that are going on in America's public schools. Uh, once parents worked out that their children would be taught things that they shouldn't be taught, they found a way to get around it. And that's kind of a metaphor and an analogy, I think, more widely for what America's got to do in the future. I think we're an incredibly nimble culture and so we're able to adapt and improvise. Homeschooling is one example with the public school threat. And I'm sure that, uh, that we Americans will be able to, to keep doing it with ever-increasing problems that unfortunately seem inevitable with the leftists' insistence on transforming this country or resetting it in their most recent terminology. Yeah, so well said, Nick, and um, and I really appreciate your time today. There's so much more we could unpack, and um, I appreciate your time. And so where can people find you, um, your great organization, FLAG? Jenna, they can go to flagusa.org, flagusa.org. FLAG's the Foundation for Liberty and American Greatness, and we teach civics and promote patriotism in K-12 schools. Uh, they can also go to my website, nickadamsusa.com, nickadamsusa.com. They can follow me on Facebook, facebook.com slash nickadamsinamerica, or at Twitter, which I know you do avowedly. Uh, follow me. It is at nickadamsinusa. Yes, and I follow you on all those platforms and uh, always appreciate your great voice for American liberty. And, you know, keep up the great work, Nick, and thanks so much for your time. Bye. Um, so one of the sponsors for The Jenna Ellis Show is my good friend, Mike Lindell. And by now you've all heard me talk about MyPillow, and Mike now has done it again by introducing his new My Slippers 
so excited about these. Um, I have a pair of my slippers. They're kind of awesome. And he has taken over two years to develop these. They're designed to wear indoor or outdoor all day long. So this is important if you're like me and you have to like go to the package room, the mailbox, you can actually wear them outside, not just indoors and then have to put something more uncomfortable on to go outside. They're made with MyPillow foam and impact gel to prevent fatigue and made with quality leather suede. So for a limited time, he's offering 50% off his new MySlippers. So go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and you can use the promo code Jenna, that's J-E-N-N-A to get the new my slippers at this deep discount and on all my pillow products including the Giza dream bed sheets the my pillow mattress topper my pillow towel sets call 1-800-564-8475 or go to mypillow.com use the promo code jenna and of course support mike lindell because he has been uh absolutely canceled by a vicious, vicious leftist culture. And I'm so proud that Mike is a sponsor of the Jenna Ellis show because he is a very good friend and I'm very glad to support him as well. So use the promo code Jenna at mypillow.com or call 1-800-564-8475. I am Jenna Ellis and I will be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Jenna Ellis show. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com